Hello, and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the fiscal third quarter 2021 conference call and webcast for Del Taco Restaurant. I would now like to turn the call over to Mr. Rafael Rose, Managing Director at ICR, to begin. Thank you. Good afternoon and welcome. On today's call are John Capasola, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Steve Brake, Chief Financial Officer. After we deliver our prepared remarks, we'll open the lines to your questions. But first, let me remind everyone that part of our discussion today will include forward-looking statements. These statements are not guaranteed of future performance, and therefore, under-reliance should not be placed upon them. We do not undertake to update these forward-looking statements at a later date and refer you today to today's earnings press release and our SEC filings for a more detailed discussion of the risks that could impact the future operating results and financial condition. Today's earnings press release also includes non-GAAP financial measures, such as adjusted net income, adjusted EBITDA, and restaurant contribution, along with reconciliations of these non-GAAP measures to the nearest GAAP measures. However, non-GAAP financial measures should not be considered as alternatives to GAAP measures, such as net income or loss, operating income or loss, net cash flows provided by operating activities, or any other GAAP measure of liquidity or financial performance. Let me now turn the call over to John Capasola, President and Chief Executive Officer. Thank you, Raphael, and hello, everyone. We appreciate you all joining us for today's call. I'm very proud of our teams who continue to drive strong restaurant-level execution in this difficult operating environment. Our third quarter performance was in line with our expectations, which I would characterize as a good outcome, particularly in light of well-known cost pressures across the restaurant industry. On the top line, we drove positive comparable restaurant sales across company-operated and franchise restaurants compared to last year and compared to 2019, as we last strong performance driven by our very successful launch of crispy chicken, and despite the emergence of the Delta variant, along with well-documented staffing challenges in our category. At the same time, the inflationary headwinds impacting our industry were managed through menu pricing, totaling approximately 5%, paired with operational excellence and strong guest satisfaction scores across our drive-through, takeout, and delivery channels. In addition, as you may have read in numerous recent press releases, we have been very active signing four additional new franchise development agreements from coast to coast since July, bringing our year-to-date total to seven new development agreements for 53 future commitments. These new development agreements expand our pipeline and further support our ability to deliver 5% system-wide new unit growth led by franchising beginning in 2023. First, I will briefly review our third quarter highlights before discussing the specifics on these new franchise development agreements. During Q3, system-wide comparable restaurant sales grew 1.8% over the prior year, consisting of a 2% increase at franchise restaurants and a 1.6% increase at company-operated restaurants. During Q3, on a same-store basis compared to 2019, company sales grew at a low single-digit rate, while franchise restaurants grew at a high single-digit rate. Geographically, on a same-store basis versus 2019, our primarily franchised non-California restaurants grew approximately 10%, while California grew at approximately 4.6%. Restaurant contribution margin decreased by 150 basis points to 16.5%, 
which primarily related to normalized advertising expense of 4% of restaurant sales versus 3% last year. In terms of profit, adjusted EBITDA decreased to $14.1 million from $15.3 million. This reduction was primarily due to the dollar impact of the normalized advertising. Through our quarterly dividend and share repurchases, we returned in aggregate $5.9 million of capital to shareholders and also reduced our outstanding revolver to $106 million from $110 million. Finally, during Q3, we opened one company and three franchise restaurants and closed one company and one franchise restaurant and with 603 system-wide restaurants. Now let's discuss restaurant development and specifically how our new agreements with experienced restaurant operators provide momentum for our franchise-led growth. So far this year, franchisees opened eight new restaurants and companies have opened three company-operated restaurants. Our fourth and final 2021 company opening will be our first new FreshFlex prototype in our new Orlando seed market, and we expect one additional franchise opening. Following three development agreements for 30 units announced prior to our Q2 call, since July we have signed an additional four new development agreements for another 23 units. These newest agreements cover future restaurants in four states from coast to coast, including the east coast of Central Florida and Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina, as well as Fresno, California, and non-traditional casino locations in Las Vegas. These signings demonstrate our growth potential not only in the southeast, which we know has significant room to grow the brand, but also in California and in Las Vegas, where even with our current penetration, we believe there are still strong infill growth opportunities. Importantly, our steady stream of new franchise development agreements has been aided by very strong interest in QSR drive-through development and ultimately made possible by highly de desirable Del Taco traits including our unique QSR Plus positioning, ubiquitous menu that drives broad appeal, strong track record of eight consecutive years of franchise comparable restaurant sales growth across 15 states, and attractive new Fresh Flex prototype, which expands real estate opportunities to help lower net investment and modernizes the guest experience. On a related note, we recently announced a new delivery-only license agreement with Reef, a leader in the growing ghost kitchen space. We expect to open our first reef outlet in the dense urban mid-city area of Los Angeles later this month, which is the first of several planned outlets. We are excited about this new delivery-only partnership to help expand access to the brand where there is strong delivery demand, particularly in high-density urban areas. As a reminder, we expect a modest step-up in system-wide restaurants in 2022 compared to 2021 as existing franchisees begin to leverage fresh flex. However, we believe our growing franchise development pipeline, including seven new agreements for 53 Del Taco restaurants signed this year, puts us in a strong position to deliver on our stated goal of system-wide new unit growth of 5% beginning in 2023. Regarding our test remodel program, we are currently integrating our fresh flex prototypes into our remodel design and remain on track to complete up to 20 company-operated remodels this year, including 10 extensive remodels of older facilities and 10 remodels of more modern facilities with primarily cosmetic upgrades at a lower investment level. 
We are excited about the transformative impact these remodels are having on the restaurant and expect to continue to, continue to invest in this important brand and AUV driving initiative as we move into 2022. Time to sales and marketing. We continue to execute on our five sales acceleration drivers, and those are value leadership, new innovation, brand engagement, digital transformation, and ultimate convenience. These pillars are anchored by our focus for better operations execution strategy, designed to ensure that we provide guests and employees outstanding brand experiences. Let me start with operations. The entire industry is feeling the impact of labor staffing challenges, and we are no exception. For certain restaurants with labor availability challenges, we selectively increase wages, and in some cases, temporarily close dining rooms or limit our late night and early morning hours of operation. The need to reduce operating hours increased throughout Q3 and impacted the company operating comparable restaurant sales by slightly under 1% during fiscal Q3. We believe this impact has peaked at approximately 1% thus far during fiscal Q4 based on recent improvements from our efforts to combat the labor challenges. Specifically, we are executing our holistic staffing strategy focused on both recruitment and retention. On the retention side, we are showing appreciation for our teams through things like daily pay, free meals, and doubling our referral bonuses, along with special events like Employee Appreciation Month. We have also enhanced our talent acquisition through new digital recruiting efforts to increase our presence on job boards and simplify the application process to reduce friction for applicants. Recently, our actions have begun to translate into increased applicant flow that is allowing hotspot restaurants to return to more normalized operations. As we add staff to these locations, we are also investing in additional training to set the new team members up for success. Turning to sales and marketing, in August, we leveraged our menu innovation introducing another exciting platform, Stuffed Quesadilla Tacos which takes our fan-favorite quesadilla and adds creamy queso blanco, folded into the shape of a taco shell and stuffed with grilled chicken, carne asada steak, or crispy chicken, as well as our fresh guacamole as an add-on. These tacos represent a trade-up from our current tacos and have been met with strong consumer demand, mixing at over 6% of sales thus far, which has helped us maintain our positive sales momentum as we lapped a very successful crispy chicken launch a year ago. Next month, we welcome the seasonal return of our authentic tamales menu, which we consider a perfect holiday comfort food. Our tamales are made with seasoned shredded pork and a fire-roasted salsa surrounded by a layer of soft stone ground corn masa and wrapped in an authentic corn husk. We will also offer a tamale fiesta pack with 12 tamales to feed the whole family with a simple trip through our convenient drive-thrus or delivery channels. On the day park front, Delivery remains a key driver of sales growth, representing over 7% of sales during the third quarter. Delivery is particularly well-suited to capitalize on best demand for convenience and value during our late-night hours of operation when delivery over-indexes, and it's helping to drive outsized one- and two-year growth in our late-night parts. Turning now to digital transformation. Last month, we successfully launched our new holistic CRM platform and introduced our new loyalty app called Delia Rewards. Delia Rewards is a point-based loyalty program featuring four tiers named Queso, Scorcho, Inferno, and Epic, 
that unlock exciting offers, rewards, and experiences, which increase along with the usage of the app. Oh, yeah, rewards also enables us to unlock our customer data to drive personalized and value experience, valued, valued experiences by delivering unique messages and offers in a way that members are most apt to respond to. We are very excited by the launch of this loyalty program and look forward to sharing more on its impact to the business on future calls. Finally, reflecting our commitment to deliver shareholder returns, we paid our third quarterly cash dividend of $0.04 cents per share in late August, and today announced our fourth quarterly dividend of $0.04 cents per share, which will be paid on November 24th. We also repurchased approximately $4.4 million for common stock during the quarter as part of our buyback program. Looking ahead, although the current environment continues to present staffing challenges and inflationary pressure, our relevant QSR plus positioning, use of innovation and ability to deliver um, value across our barbell menu strategy provides us with significant pricing power that we will utilize to manage inflation as we exit 2021 and enter 2022. This focus, along with our strong foundation, which now includes our new Delia Rewards Program and an expanding group of franchisees eager to invest in our brand for the long term, have set us up for continued growth and expansion. Now I'll turn the call over to Steve to review our Q3 financial results and outlook. Thanks, John. For the third quarter, total revenue increased 2.9% to $124.3 million from $120.8 million in the year ago period. Company restaurant sales increased 2.2% to $112 million from $109.5 million in the year ago period. This was primarily driven by positive comparable restaurant sales and to a lesser extent, company operated restaurants. Franchise revenue increased 8.1% year over year to 5.6 million from 5.2 million last year. Growth was primarily driven by the increase in franchise comparable restaurant sales coupled with additional franchise operated restaurants compared to last year. As John said earlier, system-wide comparable restaurant sales increased 1.8% consisting of a 1.6% increase at company operated restaurants and a 2.0% increase at franchise restaurants. Turning to expenses, food and paper costs as a percentage of company restaurant sales has decreased approximately 30 basis points year over year to 26.2% to 26.5%. This was primarily driven by a menu price increase of approximately 5% that exceeded food inflation of just over 4%. As expected, inflationary pressure materialized during the second half of 2021 and our projected Q4 food inflation is approximately 5%, resulting in full-year inflation of approximately 2%. To help manage this inflation, we accelerated the timing and magnitude of our fall price increase and now expect menu price of 5.5% in the fourth quarter. Looking ahead, we believe our social plus positioning and the attractive price points we offer across our barbell menu strategy provides a compelling value proposition and provides us with significant pricing power that we plan to utilize in the new year to help manage food inflation that will likely extend into the first half of 2022. Labor and related expenses as a percentage of company restaurant sales increased 80 basis points to 33.2% from 32.4%, driven primarily by minimum wage increases in California and Nevada as well as wage rate pressure from restaurants with labor availability challenges, where we selectively increase wages. 
These impacts were partially offset by the impact from our positive comparable restaurant sales, including elevated menu pricing, effective management of variable labor, and a reduction in workers' comp expense based on favorable underlying trends. Occupancy and other operating expenses as a percentage of company restaurant sales increased by approximately 100 basis points to 24.1% and 23.1% last year. This increase was primarily due to higher advertising expense, which normalized at 4% of restaurant sales compared to 3% in the prior year quarter, and higher utility expense. Restaurant contribution decreased at 6.3% to $18.5 million compared to $19.7 million in the prior year, while restaurant contribution margin decreased approximately 150 basis points to 16.5% from 18.0% primarily due to the aforementioned higher advertising compared to last year. General and administrative expenses were $11.2 million, up from $10.8 million last year, and as a percentage of total revenue held steady at 9.0% compared to last year. The increase was primarily driven by increased non-cash stock-based compensation, travel expense, and general inflationary trends, partially offset by lower management incentive compensation expense. Just the EBITDA decreased 8.0% to $14.1 million, $15.3 million last year, and decreased as a percentage of total revenues to 11.3% from 12.7% last year. Appreciation and amortization was $6.0 million, down from $6.1 million last year, due to the impact of fully depreciated assets, and decreased 20 basis points to 4.8% as a percent of total revenue. Interest expense was $0.7 million compared to $0.9 million last year. The decrease was due to a lower average outstanding revolver balance and lower interest rate compared to 2020. During the third fiscal quarter, our outstanding revolving credit facility borrowing was reduced from $110 million to $106 million, and the remaining availability under the revolving credit facility was $130.6 million. Along with this debt reduction, we also repurchased 449,324 shares of common stock at an average price of $9.87 per share during the third quarter for a total of $4.4 million and paid our third quarterly cash dividend totaling $1.5 million. At the end of the fiscal time quarter, approximately $10.6 million remained under our $75 million repurchase authorization. Net income was $3.8 million, or $0.10 cents per diluted share, compared to $5.8 million, or $0.15 cents per diluted share last year. We also reported adjusted net income, which excludes items identified in our earnings release in the financial tables. Adjusted net income was $4.2 million, or approximately $0.11 cents per diluted share, compared to $6.0 million, or $0.16 cents per diluted share last year. In today's earnings press release, we formally announced our fourth quarterly dividend of four cents per share of common stock that will be paid on November 24, 2021, to shareholders of record at the close of business on November 3rd, 2021. Finally, through the first five weeks of our 16-week fiscal Q4, our company-operated comparable restaurant sales are up approximately 3% and franchise comparable restaurant sales are up over 4%, despite the impact from reduced operating hours in the John restaurants. 
please refer to today's earnings press release for our fiscal 2021 guidelines. That concludes our formal remarks. As always, thank you for your interest in Del Taco, and we are happy to answer any questions. And at this time, we will be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. The confirmation cone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. To participate using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before questions start. One moment, please, while we go over your questions. Our first question is from Alex Slagle with Jeffries. Please proceed with your question. Great. Thank you. Um, on the transfer sales, just wanted to walk through some of the drivers, um, trying to think through some of the biggest tailwinds and headwinds, and, and you know, it sounds like trends improved um, pretty good here quarter to date. Um, but maybe first just on the intro of the uh, CRM platform and the program and just how we should think about that in terms of directly impacting the comps in the early stages at all or what should we think about that piece? Yeah, it's, it's, it's early, um, Alex. I mean, it, we're, we're seeing some really good directional trends, but we're only four weeks in. So as a reminder, um, we launched on September 9th, and then um, we did the hard launch, which was point of purchase materials at the restaurant, starting to do some of the marketing on September 16th, so just a few weeks ago. And then really our second wave campaign, which is really a focus on marketing and acquisition and getting folks to transition, you know, not only get new members, but get folks to transition from the old app to the new app, you know, kicked off, you know, here on October 4th with, you know, some tags on television and radio and promoting it through our direct mail and FSI drops, and we've also had some digital media acquisition going. So, so it's early days, but, but what, I would, what I would say is that, you know, directionally, um, you know, it, it's, what's happening is kind of what we wanted to have happen, which was, you know, you look at the, the motivation that occurs with both current and new members related to the point-based system and that, that structured design to motivate and reward behavior. So we've seen, you know, there's unique active users already in the first four weeks um, perform at a similar level than that we had with our old app, and that's before we even completed the migration, right? You still have guests that are moving into the new app from the old app. The other, the other um, kind of piece that we thought was, um, you know, really telling and interesting was that nearly 40% of the new member of the members coming into LEA Rewards are actually new members. So these are folks that were not in the old app. So, so again, you know, just kind of speaks to the motivation around um, that app not just being an offer engine. There, there's some reasons to be involved with the brand and engage with the brand in that and certainly being able to earn, you know, points and, 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 and move up into loyalty tiers is, is a big part of that. So we feel great about the first four weeks. Um, execution's been good and, and a lot more marketing, come, you know, in regards to that app as we move to the back end here of uh, Q4 and into, into obviously 2022. Okay. How, how many numbers are you up to now? So we have um, nearly 250,000 members in the first, you know, in the first four weeks. So again, that's a combination of those new folks I referenced, nearly 40%, and then folks migrating over from the old app into into the new app. So you know, again, just to underscore, when you see the unique active users performing at a similar level in the first four weeks, um, in aggregate, in totality of that on that 250,000 number. 
compared to the 1.5 million that we had in the old app. And it's, it's pretty impressive, and it, I think it speaks to the frequency and usage that's happening within that within the new loyalty program. Okay. And then um, about some of the other drivers, staffing, obviously that talked about that being a 100 basis point from impact and just breaking that down, and then just in terms of menu innovation and promotional last, I mean, what would you call how this is just driver for us to think about, not in terms of changing the trajectory and accelerating the cost? Yeah, I think it's important to remember that, you know, um, Q3 was positive going over positive for both the company and franchise and for sales trends. And, and Q4 thus far, as we noted, is, is also positive going over positive for company and franchise. So, we're, you know, it's, it's important to remember that we were able to achieve same for sales growth in Q3 and Q4 2020 despite the pandemic. And we just, you know, we just happened to roll over in Q3, one of our more, the more successful product launches in the history of the company, which was the crispy chicken taco, uh, you know, or the crispy chicken menu in 2020. I think overall, um, what, what I'd say on, the, on this front is the product launches with Stuffedia Tacos and, and Double Cheese Breakfast Tacos, along with Billy Eye Rewards, which will continue to build momentum, are, are driving improved year-on-year same-store sales trends um, as we look at the first five weeks of Q4 compared to Q3, and that's really despite those operating, you know, the, the, the op, you know operating in a more challenging environment year-on-year um, due to some of those staffing challenges that, that we that we referenced in those hotspot stores. So, so overall, you know, we expect to finish 2021 with six consecutive quarters of same-store sales growth. Both the company and franchise, and that's that's basically going back to obviously the last negative quarter was Q2 of 2020, um, which was the first quarter of the pandemic. So I think you know overall, I don't, you know we feel good about the trend and the programs that we've launched recently, and we think that that's you know they're they're going a long way in helping us continue to drive sales growth. Just then, last question is kind of key on delivery. If you're seeing any changes in, in demand or anything out of our kind of moving past the potentially some of the benefits of stimulus and funded unemployment benefits if you see anything there. We continue to see a delivery for the system. Both company and franchise uh, continue to grow, you know, modestly. You know, both company and franchise were, were north of 7% uh, during fiscal Q3, um, which you do find, especially since we did, you know, implement you know, another you know, slight uptick to our menu price premium for delivery on the company side. The company restaurants about 22.5%. The franchise is also in that low to mid 20% area. So we feel good about the model and the trend. Great. Thank you. Now, our next question is from Nick Setting with Redwood Securities. Please proceed with your question. Thank you. Um, what was the, the overall average tracking quarter, Steve? It was um, in the mid-high nines. Got it. And, you know, 5.5% pricing in, in Q4, uh, you know, assuming it kind of stays in that 5% range, like in the first half of the first half of 22, um, you, know, you guys kind of gave us 5% you know, food cost inflation in Q4. I mean, does that imply like we should see cost of return to sales come down in Q4 versus Q4 of last year, or is there some mix 
shift how you should think about. Well, the commentary is both you know, food, inflation, you know, energy price, you know, both being in that you know, five plus percent area, which would you know imply flattish for Q4 on a year-over-year basis, which is you know I think directly correct. You know, you know, your waste and efficiencies can somewhat play into the food line as well, not to mention your product mix. But so in general, that would be a flattish implication for Q4 year-over-year. And I guess the same question on, on labor, um, you know, Q3 is about 5%, assuming 6% inflation. Um, you know, we saw about 80 bits of, of labor uh, deleverage. Uh, skinny level of pricing, you know, perhaps, you know, I would have thought it would have been a little less. Um, is there, like, overtime pairs or benefits? Can I maybe go through the percentage on labor that we should think about in terms of, you know, how to think about the, Overall, you know, maybe hourly growth versus just inflation. I should actually think about that as we kind of think about how to model um, the labor line. Yeah, on labor, you know, as typical with our California heavy and Nevada heavy footprint, um, you know, the main you know, driver of inflation you know, is California and Nevada minimum wages. You know, that um, is working against us. Uh, I would say the operational efficiency has been very good at the restaurant level, so that's you know been a positive. Operators are ex- executing that very well. Um, so that's the main driver, and then you know, John touched on it. It's certainly you know it's more on a limited basis, but there are you know kind of hot spot restaurants to see well, which are a minority. Um, but those are situations where we are you know, paying you know a higher prevailing wage, you know, as appropriate. And then in addition, some of the labor availability challenges that John touched upon, that, of course, does play into not just some curtailment of operating hours, but also hit the nail on the head and increase uptick in overtime. Um, So all that serves to boost up average effective wage, which includes the impact of overtime. You know, any given year, average wage will continue to pick up during the course of the year. You know, this year, that you know, additional rate of growth has been higher intra-year than we've seen before. Um, and on a long-term basis, as you know, you know, average wage, um, you know, with California footprint, we are on a path towards $15 an hour where minimum wage culminates in California. Starting January 1, just a few months from now, in fact, that $15 level will then maintain through 2023. So it's certainly possible that in this year, you'll have taken wage for experiences maybe more of a timing issue when you think about the long term. You know, that said, you know, it was pressuring us a bit in Q3. It's getting to that 80 substitute leverage that you saw. And given the trend that will continue into Q4, well, we'll again expect to be leverage on that line you know, in with a low single digit, you'll call it same sort of skills trajectory. Um, that's what needs to be to leverage overall. Understood. And this last question, um, you, you kind of commented that, uh, you know, more recently you've seen uh, some of the labor pressure uh, come down. Uh, first, is that a correct And second, you know, I understand that you don't really have a crystal ball. Um, but I guess what's your internal uh, estimate or, or expectation or, you know, how you're, how you're strategizing for, you know, for, for what, what, when, the time frame for when, when that, you know, may normalize. Is it right under Q4? Is it more like in the middle of 22 in terms of the staffing issue? 
So it remains very fluid. It's hard hard to predict exactly what's going to happen, but I'll say we've got a very holistic strategy that, you know, we talked about on a couple of calls now in regards to how we're thinking about both acquiring, you know, quality talent as well as keeping quality talent and making sure that we're training and developing them. And, you know, overall, I think our operators and our franchisees are just doing an outstanding job, you know, leading, leading in this environment with our people, you know, first focus and, and navigating kind of a very challenging time. You know, that said, you know, the hotspot restaurants where, where we've reduced operating hours um, by, by, by an hour or more or so, you know, that, that roughly, you know, that roughly represented somewhere in the kind of mid to high teens as a percent of restaurants. Um, you know, kind of as you look at it week to week, it changes a little bit week to week depending on the situation with the restaurants. We are managing it. Our operators and our franchisees are managing it daily and weekly. Um, but the commentary around it peaking, you know, so far in Q, Q4 at about 1%, that, that's due to a really nice improvement in applicant flow coming into the system in the last few weeks. And, um, you know, that, that is related to, um, you know, a digital recruitment campaign that we are investing into that we have the ability to kind of really target on a zip code basis and, and put extra dollars into stores that need more help and take some dollars away from stores that don't need quite as much help. And that's actually improved the applicant pool for us by 4x over, over the last few weeks. So that those quality applicants coming into the system, that's step one for these hotspot restaurants. Then getting those folks trained properly and developed properly to create great test experiences, that's step two. But, but certainly um, we've, we've seen some of these, some of these hotspot restaurants start to return back to more normalized behavior, you know, normalized operating hours, I should say, in recent weeks. Thank you. And our next question is from Todd Brooks with CRP and Associates. Please proceed with your question. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good, uh, good job navigating a tough environment here. Um, we're going to lead off with uh, just kind of same-store sales progression for the comparison. Obviously, Christy Turkin, a, a massive platform for you guys. Uh, good success with new products during Q3, allowing you to still comp positively, even with the headwinds from labor. How does the kind of comparison uh, look across uh, the back half of um, the fourth quarter relevant to what you talked about um, comparing against in that, that 3 percent to 4% range so far in the quarter? Does it ease at all as you move farther into the crispy chicken launch? For, for the system Canadian franchise, uh, we had a 16-week fourth quarter. The, the second, the, the, the later eight weeks, uh, we performed better year ago than the first eight weeks. So the therapy will, will get you know, a little bit more difficult as we round out the back half of the quarter. I think at the same, was there, at the same time, just the, you know, the burn-off from crispy chicken started to occur. We were maintaining higher sales mix, but that initial excitement around crispy chicken really was burning off and in September, and, and, and now obviously having some of these new platforms that we've launched, you know, and, and hope to continue to see gaining, gaining momentum along with our tamales LTO that happens you know, kind of in November. I think we're in a pretty good position, you know, to, to obviously have a, a positive thing for sales in, on the company and the franchise business in, in, in Q4 and, and um, you know, put up a nice result. 
to your point, there's, there's definitely some upside. We need to execute. We need to deliver the brand, and we need to give our new partners the support for them to be able to uh, kind of get to that next level of growth, if you will. Thanks, John. And again, as a reminder, if anyone has any questions, you may press star one on your telephone keypad. Doing so will ensure you're spotting the question and answer queue. Our next question is from Nicole Miller from Tribal Sandler. We'll see you with your question. Thank you so much and good afternoon. Um, just a couple quick ones. Um, the, the fourth quarter price, 5.5%, that's for day one of 4Q, or is that coming now? It will evolve slightly throughout the quarter, but you know, throughout the quarter we will be maintaining somewhere between five and six based on the timing of what we're rolling over. So essentially, day one, we're in the five plus area. Okay, I'm just trying to true it up to um, the commentary of the quarter to be comp. I appreciate that to see how much more price is going to come against you know typical compares given the, the earlier question. Um, and then second on comp. And this is probably maybe it's nuanced, but company-owned improvement um, reflects, you know, easy compares. But franchise comp, it's more challenging, and they're doing much better. Um, we know price to be a factor. Is there anything else you would point to? Any other channels, regional trends that we should be aware of? Yeah, we still have a very you know, fairly pronounced theme of you know geographic differences. So the company is heavily you know California, Southern California specifically, and Las Vegas, whereas you know, franchisees are operating across the 15 state uh, footprint. So we continue to see on a one and two year basis, um, you know, really outsized, you know, very strong you know performance, you know, particularly outside of, of California. Um, which you know, is largely in favor of our franchise community, um, where we share markets with franchisees in Southern California. Performance is much more aligned with, you know, much more modest franchise outperformance. So, you know, really, that geographic team you know, continues to be fairly pronounced uh, in favor of franchise. Okay, thanks. And then just the last one. I mean, I was just kind of listening to um, the presentation and, and speaking at a very high level. This is really about swapping and, and re-franchising some stores for a high flow-through pizza stream, right? And so I know there's mention of like 2% revenue growth, but I'm looking at what was like 5% total system sales growth, and up almost or more than 10% versus 2019. So you know, have I characterized that properly, and, and the system's probably growing faster than just looking at the total revenue line, right? Yes, something a measure like system wide sales, you know, which captures yeah. you know, our wall sales of the six hundred you know, unit system that certainly would reflect you know, the more robust growth you're describing whereas you know, the company all the, the revenue line, you know, is so heavily influenced by, you know, company restaurant sales that are certainly coughing positive and growing, you know, but at a, a lower rate compared to franchise, you know, whereas franchise revenue does show that robust growth that you alluded to. Yeah, and you scuffed off some stores, right, and that's the plan. So, again, in favor of a, a recurring royalty stream. So, um, I just want to make sure, like, we're all, you know, making that comparison as well. So, um, 
teaching and time, and I think that's it for me. Thank you for taking my questions. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Nicole. And we have reached the end of the question and answer session. I'll now turn the call back over to Megan for closing remarks. Okay, thank you, operator, and we certainly appreciate everyone taking the time today with us, and uh, thank you for your interest in Del Taco. It's, ex it's exciting to accelerate growth, and we feel great about our prospects on that front. So we look forward to sharing our progress on future calls. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today. You may experience a lot of this time. Thank you. Have a